What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast brought to you by Keeping Carlson and hosted uh, by two guys who are thriving in their new situations, just like some of the recent trade additions we're going to talk about here today. Uh, I'm your host, Louis Ezekiel, and joining me tonight, your friend and mine, uh, the great Jeremy Versillo. Jeremy, how are you doing this fine Tuesday evening? What's up, Lewis? I am just nervously watching a couple of my matchups that are already in playoffs because I have a couple leagues that do two-week playoff matchups, and it's the second week of that first round, and every point matters. Yeah, I know one of those uh, involves you and Shams going head-to-head in our uh, Babupful Keeper League, right? It does, but he has McDavid and it's a Keeper League, so, you know, if he wins, (laughs) it's because of that. Listen, I don't, I don't ever want to hear. I'm so tired of hearing about that all the chat all day. Davy B, I love you, buddy, but uh, don't need to hear any more about McDavid. Um, but yeah, at least you've got a built-in, uh, a built-in excuse if you do in fact uh, fall to Shams. I mean, he's been on an extremely hot roll of all of the uh, podcasters. He is one who's been able to keep it together this season uh, in a way that many of the rest of us only wish we could. Uh, but anyway, I did mention we're going to talk about uh, some traded targets uh, who have really landed on their feet in their new spots. Uh, we've certainly got some injuries to cover, updates. Uh, we've got some bad teams playing spoiler against good teams, some potential pickups, a patron question. We've got like the whole uh, the whole variety here for us today, uh, which will be a nice uh, change of pace, I think, from the frantic uh, nothing but trade talk that we had all through last week, as fun and exciting as it was. Uh, and nice, of course, to get the big mega show on Sunday to kind of put a bow on all of that after uh, the last moves came through last Friday. Um, but let's go ahead and get started. And the first thing we have to discuss uh, is an injury to Cam Talbot. Uh, it was announced late. Uh, a lot of people rushed to jump on Mad Sogard, and he rewarded those GMs by pretty much falling flat on his face, unfortunately. Uh, I know you did a little bit of digging on Sogard. What did you What did you find? Sogard was so bad against Chicago. He let in five goals, didn't look that sharp. But honestly, I like him as a prospect, and I'm willing to give a pass when he wasn't even planning on starting until like an hour before the game. The bigger thing I noticed, though, is if this is a long-term thing, Ottawa's schedule sucks coming up. Their next three matchups next week in the quarterfinals would be at Edmonton, home against Colorado, and home against Toronto, followed by a semifinal week of at Pittsburgh, at Boston, home against Tampa, and at New Jersey. Would you trust starting a rookie goalie in any of those? It's a tough sell for me. Yeah, that's pretty scary, especially coming off such a rough outing. You know, I think there are some cases where, you know, there may just, uh, you know, that's, that's your best option. Um, but there are so many teams, I guess, well, I'm, I'm still thinking about this week. Um, but, you know, there's so many Friday, Saturday, uh, and Saturday, Sunday back to backs that you've got a lot of options to choose from. Uh, but you're right. If you grab Sogard hoping to kind of hold him through, you know, uh, on the plus side, you're probably going to see some shots against. Um, but a little concerning that he, you know, kind of dropped the ball against Chicago. I, I might hope that, you know, he's a, he's like a ritual guy. He needs everything to kind of be just so as he gets ready to start a game. And maybe that last minute sub in, um, you know, was, was a little much for him. Uh, I guess 
better to get it out of his system against uh, a team, you know, like Chicago. I don't know. That doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> you lose a game, you lose a game. And that was uh, an ugly one. But yeah, maybe he's got that out of his system now. And for your quarterfinals, he'll be able to uh, keep it together. But yeah, I mean, a real kind of murderous row of teams uh, up until, you know, the finals when he's got the Philly game and the Columbus game. So, yeah, and certainly uh, this was a, um, you know, uh, Talbot, you know, is a guy who gets injured with some frequency. He's pretty much a Band-Aid boy. This could also open up the door for maybe Kevin Mandelis to get some starts as well. You imagine you see him uh, over the weekend. So uh, that could also be an interesting potential start there. Uh, speaking of injuries, we got a couple minor ones or one minor one and one more major uh, in Toronto. Uh, we had uh, John Tavares, uh, who was held out for today's game after taking some big hits uh, in Toronto's most recent game. He said he just woke up not really feeling like himself, um, but it sounds like he will is likely to be back for the next game. But of course, nothing is certain. Uh, we also, uh, Ryan O'Reilly had got surgery on his finger, uh, and I believe last I saw it was a four-week time frame. Um, but Jeremy, you were looking at some of the line combinations and who might benefit uh, from these changes. Who do you like uh, in Toronto, given uh, these injuries and their you know relative uh, term? Real quick on Tavares and O'Reilly. Tavares looks like he'll be back soon. He was on the ice for practice. O'Reilly actually got placed on long-term IR, which means he has to miss a minimum of 10 games or 24 days. So the earliest he'll be back is... 10 games from now. But for replacements, Michael Bunting is playing power play one, but down on line three. Alex Kerfoot took Bunting's line one slot, and Sam Lafferty, uh, the newcomer, has taken over the second line center, playing with Yarncroke and Nylander. And that line actually has the only even strength goal of the day for Toronto, with a Lafferty assist. I'm not huge on any of these guys. I think... They're good streamers, especially next week. Toronto has the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday schedule, which is really good. I'd probably go Kerfoot first, because even if he loses that line one left wing, he may get put onto the second line center and bump Lafferty anyway. But I still like bunting over everyone else because of power play one, which is just so dangerous in Toronto. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready to pull the trigger on on uh, any of the guys you mentioned besides Bunting as well. Um, I did, uh, Ryan Downey, uh, super patron, has been uh, wanting us to talk about Lafferty. He's got an assist. Uh, he shared a Michael Amato tweet with us that said, when all is said and done, I think the Leafs' most impactful addition at the deadline could be Sam Lafferty really making a difference. Like to see that definitely. I'm glad he's out there and hustling hard for his new team. It does sound a little bit like damning with fate praise uh, as to the rest of the Leafs moves. Um, but, you know, uh, good on him. Love to see uh, him land on his feet. Like, like I said, some of these guys that we're going to talk about uh, down the line here. Let's see. Moving along with injuries. Victor Hedman went day to day. Sounds like he'll be back pretty soon. Um, the, the, Bolts did seem like they were kind of uh, coasting uh, a bit as they headed into their playoffs. You know, we've we've all sort of known <laughs> what their matchup more or less would look like uh, for quite a while now. So not a ton for them to play for necessarily. Um, one thing that I am sort of worried about here uh, is that, you know, the um, uh, 
uh, you know, good for Sergachev certainly until Hedman gets back. And I wonder too if we might see uh, Sergachev hold on to that power play one spot. The power play has looked better uh, this game. Now, you know, uh, opponent uh, and variance certainly can play a role. Um, but you know, you, we've seen Hedman, you know, get overtaken, uh, at times this season by Sergachev taking that power play one time. They haven't been afraid to put him in that spot until he starts to cool down. Uh, so Hedman owners, you might want to wait and check out the, um, you might want to wait and check out the line deployment, uh, game day lines, uh, or game day tweets.com, I should say, uh, to make sure that, you know, he is going to slot in where you think he's going to slot in uh, before you activate him off of IR when it is time for him to come back. Uh, you know, luckily, uh, Tampa is is very good about sharing and practicing with their uh, power play units. So you almost always know who is playing where, uh, which is really nice. Um, how about a hot and cold streak out of the lightning? Sure. Alex Kalorn has two goals and an assist today to put him up to 5-5 five and five in his last 10 games. He got pushed on to power play one recently, but he also only has 14 shots on goal in that span, so isn't really in the middle of everything. Yeah, one thing with Kalorn is you kind of have to show some patience with him. Uh, he's had some stretches where he hasn't done a whole lot of anything. I, I sadly dropped him during one such stress stretch, and I'm kicking myself for it a little bit. Um, but uh, he's got, um, I believe, 15 points over the last 14 games. In that stretch, uh, he has six multi-point games and six zero-point games. So you just kind of kind of hang in there uh, because it seems to be coming in fits and starts. But if you average it all out, it looks quite good. As for a cold streak, Stephen Stamkos is on, well, I guess what you could call a cold streak for a stud. He actually has seven points in his last 10 games, but only 17 shots, which is 1.7 shots per game. We're used to Samkos putting close to three shots per game. He also hasn't been getting in on many of the power play goals recently, even the two, I think, that were scored today. I'm not really concerned. He's a on-the-wrong-side-of-30 superstar, so he's going to go through these slower phases where he may be nursing a bit of an injury or taking a bit of a rest to prepare himself for playoffs. I think... I sold most of my bolts leading up to fantasy playoffs, but there's not much you can do with Stamkos, and if you have room, you can add Klorn. And we should be noting, too, that um, the other person who's been shifted off that top power play with Klorn moving up, and Hedman, obviously, with the injury, so Sergachev moves in, and then it's been uh, Brandon Hagel, uh, who's been shifted down to that second power play uh, recently, so we'll see if that is another person who might uh, be in to lose some potential value if he misses that power play exposure here in the home stretch. Yeah, Hagel has been quite cold lately also. He has a point today, but he had gone five pointless before today, so that could be why he got moved off. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, then finally, we got some other injury news, uh, sort of, uh, from uh, Colorado. None of it especially great. Uh, what's going on in Colorado in terms of when we can expect guys like Fransos, uh, Gabriel Landeskog? I guess I know he's not a, a, an avalanche, but we could throw Barzal in there as well since we got a little news on him. Nothing good here. Sounds like Landeskog is now, lo- now no longer guaranteed to return this season, which is really unfortunate for the people who drafted him in the fourth or fifth round, expecting he'd be back in three months. Additionally, Fransos is recovering slower than expected, 
Still hopeful to return this year, but I'm ready to turn him loose in the one league I stashed him in if I pick up any more injuries. And last but not least, there is no update on Matthew Barzal per the beat reporter. He's still week to week. He is skating in practice, but no crunch, no crutches, no limp. So we really don't know what's up there. Yeah. Uh, so thinking about who you would kind of cut loose and who you would hang on to. I mean, if you've got room on your IR, obviously hold on to everybody, right? It's just useful to have those people there. But if it's starting to run low, uh, I would say Francois would be the first, Landeskog the second, and Barzal would be the third in terms of who I'm willing to drop. Barzal's never been a guy who's been especially interesting to me, but with the arrival of um, Bo Horvat uh, in the Horvat-Bovillier trade, that seems to have you know, spark some things for Barzal before he went out with injury. So hopefully they can come back and recapture some of that magic there. I agree with you on that. Uh, we had a question from a patron, patron Steven, uh, wanted to ask if we could give our view as to if there is value uh, in Chicago players, since there will be power plays in Chicago and someone, you know, presumably has to score. Certainly uh, they went to town on, on bad's no guard yesterday. So uh, you know, this is this is a spot where people can score from. Uh, another team is San Jose that, you know, people were shying away from. Obviously, they were sellers at the deadline, losing Meyer. Uh, still got some talented players, though, and Carlson and Hurdle were able to jump all over the, um, uh, the Jets late uh, and get a goal and then win an overtime from Couture. So still some talent there. Uh, basically, you know, the idea is, you know, can we mine these teams for, you know, good deployment players? Uh, do we have any special interest on them? So, uh, I don't know, Jeremy, what do you think? Do you, is this a, is this a valuable place? Is this a well that's got some untapped, uh, potential for us? I do like tapping into the 20 minutes of ice time power play one type guys who show up on these bad teams. Think you're, uh, Adam Henriques, for example. The problem I noticed, though, is at least in Chicago's game against Ottawa, they played, like, all of their forwards evenly. I think their highest ice time forward only had 16 and a half minutes, and that was Kurashev. And then they had a bunch more in the 14 and a half to 16 and a half range. I'm going to find it hard to find value from that. But also, that may have just been skewed because they were so in control of that game from the beginning. They wanted to give everyone some ice time. Yeah, so maybe sort of a one-time thing there uh, with, you know, how successful, uh, obviously, they had been right out the jump, no reason to, um, you know, have to kind of slow things down. And then I think there were some, uh, I think there were some extracurriculars in there, some penalties that may have affected some of that ice time as well, um, because I know that uh, uh, Ottawa was was dropping the gloves uh, to sort of save some face there in an otherwise ugly game. Um yeah, I think, you know, guys like Kurashev, uh, you know, maybe even Reichel, if he can, you know, do some things. It's kind of interesting. Um, you know, over in, uh, over in San Jose, uh, Alex Barabanov getting, um, some first power, first unit power play deployment. Uh, there's also Fabian Zetterland, who's getting first line, which might be interesting. I don't know if I'm ready to, to be super, all in there. I would say overall, they're kind of interesting. I think I would rather have a top line, top power play guy from one of these bad teams than maybe a third liner power play two guy. 
um, on another team, but uh, at this point, I'm mostly streaming goalies anyway, so not hugely interesting. Worth noting, though, uh, anyone brave enough to start Alex Stalock against Ottawa, uh, who had been, you know, ripping off four or five goals a game, uh, got just an unbelievable start from him. So way to have the courage to make that start. I'm sure I would have found a way to try to bench him if I could have. So, uh, yeah, nice job there. Uh, if you stayed the course, and then uh, just to just to point out, uh, Michael Bunting got himself a goal here, uh, assisted by David Camp and Justin Hall. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Um, and you did also have a note about uh, some concerns about uh, the Kraken running up against some of these uh, some of these teams that are out of it, but might just be looking to play spoiler. Yeah, that was just me as a Kraken fan and season ticket holder. For those of you who don't know the. Kraken's strength of schedule is last in the league for the rest of the season. We play in the month of April where there's eight games. The Kraken play Chicago, Vancouver, and the Coyotes three times against Arizona. I can totally see the Kraken losing three times to Arizona and missing playoffs because of that, and that would be extremely painful. Yeah, it's that kind of danger zone, uh, you know, coming up against these teams with nothing to lose. Uh, but you know, why not just go after that and, and, and do what they can? You know, a lot of these guys might be playing for contracts or finding out where they're going to slot into the lineup next year. So, you know, they have, uh, they have some reason to give their best, even if, uh, even if the team overall is not looking so hot. Uh, one last thing before we head into a short little break here. Uh, some new, uh, well, a newcomer and a new call up in Nashville who have been kind of interesting. Uh, you know, Nashville has been kind of hard to place. You know, last year, uh, they seemed like they had figured out their power play a little bit uh, when they had everything going with Yossi and Duchesne and Forsberg, uh, Granlin to a lesser extent. Um, but we've had sort of this whole cycle through of a variety of, um, you know, Nashville, you know, short timers up getting that top line exposure. These, you know, kind of pro- not prospects exactly, but like... Uh, you know, relatively new guys. Um, how do we feel about uh, Luke Evangelista being the the latest uh, of interest here? You know, in the Parson and Novak sort of line of folks getting a run on the top line. I am fascinated with Nashville's prospects this year. Nashville has sold at the deadline, but are still hanging around the playoff race because of these young guys they're calling up. Uh, Yusso Parsonen was the first one. He is a 21-year-old seventh-round pick, and he fit right into their team. Tommy Novak is a 25-year-old AHL journeyman type guy who hadn't really had his shot yet. He looks really good. And the newest one is Luke Evangelista, who actually had some pretty high draft pedigree. I think he was a second-round pick in either 2020 or 2021. So because these guys are are all prospects, I asked our friend of the show, Victor Nuno, about them for long-term outlooks. He said that obviously Novak has the deployment currently, so he's exciting for now. But long-term, I would bet on Evangelista. He's probably a middle six guy, but the most likely to have sustained relevance. Parson is more of a good in-real-life player. Yeah, and we know sometimes those good in real life players are not always the guys who end up being the the fantasy darlings, you know, when they are responsible two-way players who are going to play a good 200-foot game. Yeah, I think all three of them are kind of a ride it while they're hot, ride it while they're on the first line type of guys, but don't expect Tommy Novak to carry a third line to fantasy relevance, if that's what you're thinking of. 
Last but not yeah, least. Absolutely. Last but not least on Nashville, I think I overreacted on Tyson Berry. I forget if I said it on the show or if I was just really disappointed for the leaks that I owned him in. But the time on ice has ticked up. He's playing on a team that likes to create from the point, which I think is where I missed it. Because he's had four and five shots in his two games with Nashville. He has two points. He's getting solid second power play deployment. I actually think Barry's fantasy value is going to be okay. It surprises me. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, (laughs) of course you sort of... uh, expect there to be a pretty significant downgrade, you know, leaving, leaving, um, uh, Edmonton, but yeah, he has seemed to kind of fit in. Uh, it's been a spot where he has been able to be kind of creative in the way that is beneficial for him. So yeah, it has not been as bad as I thought either. Uh, off to a nice little start with the new team and, you know, hope he keeps it up. I think, uh, you know, it, he's got a pretty enviable deployment, obviously getting out there, um, you know, alongside Roman Yossi, at least some of the time, uh, so yeah, uh, I'm all for it and wishing him the best down in Nashville. We are going to head into a quick break here on the other side. We'll tackle a patron question. We'll talk about some, uh, trade, traded players who have hit the ground running uh, and a couple hot streaks. You're listening to short shifts. Welcome back everyone. First up in this second half, we have a patron question from Andy S about the Bruins defense. He wants to hear our thoughts about the Bruins' blue line going forward. Carlo, Grizz, Forbert, and Clifton have all been in and out of the lineup while the lines shake out. Are we just avoiding anyone not named Charlie McAvoy? And yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. It's uh, the banger guys are rotating out, and Lindholm, Orlov, and McAvoy are in the lineup. Do you have any thoughts on this, Lewis? Well, I, I'm into Orlov right now. I know uh, Shams has said that he is... 100% willing to die on the hill that he is just getting maximum variance. But I feel like, you know, uh, this is a guy who's getting a lot of minutes on a team that scores a lot. I think Elon said uh, something similar. You know, I, I, I'm i into it. You know, we saw uh, Hampus Lindholm have an extended run of relevance, um, you know, at, at least on two occasions throughout the course of the season. So it definitely can be done. Um, I would be looking at Orlov. Uh, he is 60% owned, so he's gone in a lot of leagues that are active. But, uh, you know, uh, that's a guy I would still be interested in who is not named McAvoy. Uh, it does seem like he's pretty much cannibalized whatever is left of, um, whatever is left of Lindholm's value with that regard. Um, but yeah, I think McAvoy first, Orlov second right now, maybe Lindholm third. Um, but yeah, the rest of the guys, I mean, you don't want anybody on in your lineup who is potentially getting scratched. So I don't see why you would, uh, you know, even though Connor Clifton has really shown us some things this season and I think has a pretty bright future, uh, in terms of, you know, being able to put together some offensive defenseman, uh, skills if he can if he can get the kind of deployment um i think those three if they're if they're potentially getting scratched then i'm not interested in them uh and that's a great segue because uh that let us talk about orlov there and we've got some other uh players who have been traded who have been off to really hot starts i want to talk about timo meyer anthony bovillier rasmus sandine and nino niederreiter uh why don't we just go back and forth with this one here um i'll start with meyer now, definitely the highest, you know, kind of the, the super hot commodity of the trade deadline, someone everyone wanted to get in on, him and Jacob Chikrin. Uh, he had a goal in his most recent game prior to Tuesday night. I do not believe he hit the score sheet uh, in Tuesday's game. Uh, he was lining up at first with Brad and Hughes, but spent time uh, 
during Tuesday's game, swapping with Tatar to join Heeshir and Mercer. Uh, he is not available in your league, so it's really just if you have him, you know, you're hoping that he really sees that chemistry go. Um, looking less like a hot streak now that it's one goal in, or one point in three games. Um, but, you know, uh, this is a guy who I think we have a lot of confidence in that he's going to find his footing. Um, how about Beauvillier, a guy we've talked about on the show quite a lot, so I don't think we need to spend forever on him, but yeah, he's maintaining his nice little streak as a Canuck, right? Yeah, Anthony Bavillier has cooled off a bit in the past. He's only got one assist in his last three games and has been shooting less and off of the first power play. But I trust that he's going to continue clicking along on a 60-ish point pace and get you about a hit a game and a couple shots. Uh, worth some value in certain leagues. Uh, what about yeah, Max? And definitely a... Oh, I was going to say that's a pretty significant upgrade from sort of how we viewed Beauvillier when we started the season. So uh, I think that's that's pretty solid if we think that he can maintain a 60-point pace. Uh, here's a guy that I was not able to add to my team because uh, though I set my alarm, I failed to wake up at the sicko's hour of 3 a.m. Uh, to try to grab Rasmus Sandin. It was just sitting there on the waiver wire uh, with everybody kind of aiming at him. Uh, Sandin is only 32% owned on Yahoo, but uh, 22% added just today. So you better jump on him while you have the chance. Uh, he has five points in two games since joining the Capitals. He's running power play one and seems pretty comfortable. Uh, John Carlson, uh, his you know uh, return remains unclear. Uh, so if your league has been sleeping, if it is one of those 32% uh, or I'm sorry, those uh, 68% where Sandine is not rostered, uh, I would jump on him and get him while you can. I would say, pause the pod. Uh, maybe we should have started off with this one so that you didn't spend 20 minutes not picking him up because, man, Sandine has been red hot. Agreed. Sandine is a pause the pod moment. I think the first one since I've started doing these shows, he has five points in two games with the Caps, played 21 and 25 minutes, is running power play one, everything you'd possibly want. Oh, yeah, he has six hits in two games also. This is exactly a change of scenery he needed, and he's also one of three Caps defensemen signed past this year, so the team is going to really lean into him and see if he's their future. Yeah, drop your uh, Eric Gustafson if you've still got him kicking along, because uh, like we said, we thought that this would a trade that could potentially boost Sandine. We did not know uh, the extent to which that would take place. Uh, and would probably be very bad for Gustafson's value, and uh, that seems like how things have turned out so far. Uh, how about our last guy on our list here? Uh, always an intriguing player, someone who's been a bit of enigma through his career, I think, but he, he comes up all the time on the various Keeping Carlson pods. Streamer favorite Nino Niederreiter has three points in his four games with Winnipeg, uh, three shots on goal each of his last three games. He's hitting a lot, and he's still playing line one, power play one, even with Pierre-Luc Dubois back. So I think he's here to stay. I think they're really trying to give him that role as a shooter and a triggerman. Uh, let's hope that he can push himself back into that fantasy relevance he had a couple years ago. Yeah, absolutely. That's a guy I would be interested in if he was kicking around uh, on the waiver wire. All right. Uh, just want to deal with a couple of hot streaks here before we wrap up the show. Uh, first, Jeremy, take us through the Jamie Benessance. Jamie Benn has 10 points in his last seven games, 20 points in his last 21 games, dating back to mid-January. He has been the Stars' best player over that stretch, which is crazy when you're talking about a team with Jason Robertson on it. 
Yeah, uh, he's he's peppered in a couple shorthanded points in there, which has been really nice. He's not been shooting the puck a ton, like in the two and a half shots a game range. So not like the kind of Jamie Benn of old, but it seems like he finally has gotten comfortable with sort of that secondary scoring role. Uh, and, you know, obviously teams, I think, are trying to match up when they can their best defensive unit against uh, that killer top line with, uh, Hints and Pavelski and Robertson, as you mentioned, uh, and I think that maybe does give a little bit more room for Ben's line to to feast a little bit, which is a, a nice opportunity for them. Uh, so it's been very cool to see the former, uh, you know, the former Art Ross Trophy winner uh, finding a little bit of his scoring touchback. Uh, and then I wanted to wrap up by talking about Mike Matheson. Um, you know, not the world's most exciting guy, but eight points in the last eight games prior to Tuesday night. I don't believe he recorded a point here on Tuesday, um, but he's been averaging over three shots a game during that span. Uh, I was looking at some percentile numbers from at AR Hockey Stats, which is a, a fun uh, a couple guys who work on some of these stats and, and create some nice visuals. Recommend you check them out. Uh, and they had some numbers that look really good for Matheson, an upward trajectory over the past three seasons uh, in the 90th or high 80s percentile for a lot of the uh, offensive and some of the defensive uh, categories as well. The only numbers that were really grim were the power play and the p- penalty kill, um, both of which were around the 10th percentile. I did get a chance to talk a little bit with um, Montreal Watcher at Bomb Rylan. Uh, he said, you know, <laughs> those numbers can't be helped so much. Uh, the the power play system in Montreal is bad in general. Uh, obviously, they've been missing Cole Caulfield uh, for quite a while now. But I, I wanted to bring him up not only because he's on this nice little streak, but this is a guy I've got my eye on uh, for some nice value potentially next season. Um, Rylan said he was unlikely, uh, you know, to be overtaken next season for that power play one spot uh, and that he's been you know like I said he's, he's the guy who's been improving you know probably maxes out you know around a 55 point pace like he's on right now maybe you know that ceiling could raise to 60 uh, in a really good situation but I don't think we're ready to call uh, Montreal a really good situation yet um, but yeah this is a guy that I think uh, could certainly repeat uh what he's done this year, next season, especially if he's got Caulfield healthy for the whole year. Uh, a nice power play one defenseman that I think you could get in the later rounds, which is pretty rare uh, when you can pull that off. I think you feel pretty good about yourself. So just a guy to keep your eye on as you're thinking about next year's drafts. Forget about the later rounds. He's available in 66% of Yahoo leagues right now. Uh, I agree with you. He's a great ad. He's getting ridiculous minutes, hits, shots. Looks like a good player. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you checked the. I'm glad you checked the Yahoo numbers. That's uh, that's way too low, folks. I, you should, you know, if you can't grab Rasmus Sandin, Mike Matheson is actually a pretty good consolation prize. Uh, so yeah, definitely. Uh, see see what you can do uh, with that regard. I love it. All right, and that brings us here to the end of our show. It's been a bit of a long one, uh, but you know, uh, I think we're we're still we're still working on our come down from last week's uh, long long shows. So. Uh, you know, we're just we're just trying to get used to to doing a shorter show once again. Uh, my continued babbling on this topic is not helping the the runtime get any shorter. So thank you all for joining us, especially those who who joined us on Twitch. Uh, please be sure to give us a follow at Short Shifts KK. Brian and Elon are at Keeping Carlson. Uh, definitely recommend you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News NHL. Uh, there's Game Day Stats now. I don't know if that's uh, on the website yet, but it is definitely showing up in the Discord, which has tons of really great information. 
Um, but you can go to gamedaytweets.com and find everything that Shams and Elon are putting together there. Visit that site and the other great sites we use to research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, and Natural Stat Trick. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. John Reed is our digital media producer. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.